I'm Ashley Dansby, and welcome to the very first edition of Texas Wild Podcast. I am so excited to introduce this to you. I love the outdoors, love getting out across Texas, hiking, doing all kinds of fun things in nature, and uh, this is going to be absolutely great. So excited to begin this podcast. Now, I'm going to screw it up, I'm sure, over the next few weeks, but uh, I will get better as time goes on. And uh, our first episode today is going to feature... Um, One of those animals in Texas that is both protected and very well respected, alligator snapping turtles. We're going to be visiting today with Sabine River Authority's Natural Resources Management Director, Mr. Bill Kirby, Angelina and Natchez River Authority, that's ANRA, Representatives Kimberly Wagner is with us, Communications Director, ANRA's Wildlife Biologist, Allie McElroy, and also ANRA Clean Rivers Project Manager, Carla Etheridge. So without further ado, I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves and we'll start talking about the alligator snapping turtle on texas wild podcast episode one so uh this is kimberly uh i'm communications director for anra and then we also have carla etheridge she is our clean rivers program manager and then uh we also have ali mcelroy who is our wildlife biologist awesome very good very good and and bill if you would tell us a little bit about yourself for a second i'm the natural resource management director for sabine river authority um I'm a aquatic biologist. I've been with the River Authority about 17 years, and uh, this is kind of a new position for me, so I'm uh, just getting my feet wet, so to speak. Awesome. Very good. Well, Carla, if you would, tell us a little bit about what yourself, yourself and what you do. Um, so my name is Carla Etheridge. I'm the Clean Rivers Program Manager here at Angelina Nature's River Authority. Um, I manage the Clean Rivers Program, which we go out and sample um, 37 sites quarterly for uh, water quality parameters. So we're just monitoring water quality throughout our basin. Um, I've been at ANRA for a little over a year, so I'm still getting my feet wet, <laughs> like Bill. Um, but yeah, I'm from Louisiana. I have a background in biology. I graduated from Northwestern State University with a um, bachelor's degree in biology. So that's where awesome. it led me here. Very good. And then, Allie, tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Uh, yeah, I'm Allie McElroy. I've been here at Angelina Nature's River Authority for just a little over a year, and I've been the wildlife biologist here for about seven months now. Um, I help out with the Clean Rivers program a lot. That's where I spend a lot of my time. But because Anna is wanting to get more involved with conservation and mitigation, I'm also Uh, focusing on endangered species at the state and federal level and keeping up with all of that good stuff. Absolutely. And and then, Kimberly, last but not least, tell us a little bit about what you do there with with Anne Rose Wells. Okay, great. Uh, Well, as I said, I'm Kimberly Wagner. I'm the communications director for the Angelina and Natchez River Authority. I've been in this position for eight months. This is a new position for the Angelina and Natchez River Authority. Um, and I get to do a lot of really great stuff here. I get to learn about all the great things that ANRA is doing to fulfill our mission, uh, whether it's water quality or uh, endangered species or environmental lab testing, and then I get to share all these great things with the world uh, and teach uh, people about all these great things. I have a uh, bachelor's degree in journalism, and I have a master's degree in communication, and I was also a lecturer and the director of the speech and the debate team at Stephen F. Austin State University uh, for about nine years. Very good. 
I appreciate you all <laughs> visiting right. with me. It sounds like we have a, a lot of East Texans and some Louisianans as well, and, and that's great. And I, I want to tell you a little bit about me, just so you all will know. My name is Ashley Dancy. I am the uh, the news director for Hands of Broadcasting. We have three radio stations in East Texas, uh, one in Carthage, one in Henderson, and I'm based in Marshall and Harrison County. Um, I've been with them for 13 years. I do um, a lot of stringer work for Texas State Network, which has uh, about 155 stations across the state. And I am launching this month uh, a new podcast called Texas Wild, and y'all will be my very first episode. So this is going to be the the very first episode. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm Uh, very excited about it. Yeah, we are honored. Be... <laughs> We're honored to be your first guest. Well, I appreciate y'all being with me. I, I this is new for me, so y'all bear with me a little bit. But we'll talk a, a, a little bit about what you all do as far as River Authority, and then talk a, a lot about uh, the alligator snapping turtle, which certainly we have plenty of those <laughs> across East Texas and Louisiana. Um, they are protected, so we want to make sure we keep them across our area. When we talk about the River Authorities, I know we've got uh, folks from both Sabine and ANRA. What exactly are y'all tasked with? What are your duties when it comes to our rivers across East Texas? Uh, I'll speak first, if that's okay, Ashley. So all the River Authorities in Texas uh, were created independently by the legislature. So we we are all fairly similar, but uh, we may have some specific uh, duties that uh, that we may focus on. For the Sabine River Authority, uh, we were created in 1949, and uh, our primary focus at that time was as a conservation and reclamation district uh, to control, store, preserve, and distribute the waters of the Sabine and its tributary for useful purposes. Uh, Over time, uh, our mission has grown to include a bit of economic development in the basin, and certainly uh, natural stewardship for the the wildlife as well as uh, some recreation as well in the basin. So uh, we've kind of got a a broad hand. We operate three reservoirs and a canal system. Uh, So Lake Fork, one of the the best uh, largemouth bass fisheries in the state and in in the country, Uh, Toledo Bend, Lake Tawakonee, and then also our uh, uh, canal system down in Orange. Yeah, absolutely. Kimberly, for, for you all with ANRA, talk a little bit about what you all do there as well and, and, and what reservoirs that you all are working with. Well, at ANRA, we have a very similar uh, historical foundation and mission as the Sabine River Authority. Uh, we were established in 1935, and we also uh, worked to do a lot of the same things as the Sabine uh, River Authority. Uh, we also uh, manage and operate water and wastewater utilities. We run an environmental testing laboratory. Uh, we w- uh, monitor for water quality, and we also take action to prevent and fix any impairment issues. Uh, we're working on developing and promoting recreational opportunities within our river basin, and our newest initiative, of course, is uh, with our Wildlife Biology and Endangered Species Program, uh, Conservation and Awareness. Well, I know that uh, river authorities are incredibly important. You know, you were talking about being appointed by the legislation in, in different years. When it comes to board members, they are actually appointed by the governor. Is that correct? That's correct for the Sabine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So obviously something our state (laughs) takes very seriously. Um, You know, 
I want to talk a little bit about the alligator snapping turtle and what y'all are doing. You've got this awareness program. Obviously, they are protected, and that's something that I'll be honest, I found surprising. Um, you know, here in East Texas, I feel like I see them um, often, and, and I was a little bit surprised that they had a lot, you know, natural predators, because when you see them, it's very obvious why they're called an alligator snapping turtle. I always think they almost look like a Stegiosaurus, you know, very prehistoric. Um, but talk a little bit about their protected status, if you would, Allie, and, and why they are protected here in East Texas. Yeah, so alligator snapping turtles are listed as threatened in the state of Texas. They actually have protection in quite a few of the states in the U.S., um, but they're not currently federally protected. They are, however, a candidate for federal protection, which is uh, one of the reasons that we've decided to focus on promoting their status here in Texas, um, because once they do receive federal protection, they're not only, the species not only is going to be protected, but we're going to be focusing a lot on protecting their habitat as well. Um, I know a lot of people see them around here in East Texas, or at least think they see them around. They're, they're related to the common snapping turtle, which is what I see a lot of. So they, I, there's currently a, sorry, let me think how to phrase this. They're, they're doing a project right now to see how, abundant alligator snapping turtles actually are. They're, the species hasn't really been documented. They haven't done a census in about 20 years. So we know that their numbers are declining and that is based on rates of poaching and export, how many have been exported from Texas or from other states compared to how many were 20 years ago. Um, some of the threats to alligator snapping turtles, because they are so big as adults and, you know, because they look like alligators, basically, they don't have a lot of natural predators once they're adults, um, except for humans. And so some of the threats there are obviously over-harvesting and just habitat degradation, which is a big issue for most species that end up um, threatened, especially in the aquatic areas. Um, but as hatchlings, when they're young, um, they're basically like any other baby turtle. They're going to be picked off by whatever can fit it in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so when we're talking about um, predators, as you said, not really a lot of natural predators once they get older. And, and again, if you see these things, that's going to be obvious to you as to why they don't have a lot of natural predators when they're adult size and adult age. Um, but humans are a threat. Of course, we're out there with our, our fishing hooks and our boats and our kayaks and doing different things on the rivers and lakes, and that can cause a problem for habitats of all different kinds. But for the snapping turtles, I'm sure, you know, I know, at, for instance, at Caddo Lake here in Harrison County, we, we find that um, snapping turtles will be caught on fish lines or hooks, you know, that were abandoned, things like that. Is that what you all see most of when it comes to um, human impact, aside from poaching and over harvesting and things like that yeah so here at least we get um, a lot of reports of them being caught on like abandoned trot lines mm -hmm. or abandoned fishing lines you know something got hung up and the person decided just to cut it and leave it um, so they get caught on that another issue is um, turtle traps not necessarily for the the adults because they're so big they're probably not going to end up caught in a lot of the turtle traps but 
smaller as the juveniles can end up in turtle traps, and if those are abandoned or not properly maintained, even though they can spend quite a long time underwater, they will still um, drown. So that's an issue. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we know, I mean, obviously turtles have, you know, good meat to them. People like to eat them. Are people poaching for the shells or is it for, for meat? There is poaching uh, primarily for sort of the under-the-counter or off-menu restaurant trade, particularly mm -hmm. east of here uh, in uh, Louisiana. Uh, and, yeah, they're traditionally, they've been uh, eaten, you know, by locals for, for years and years. Uh, in fact, Louisiana, even today, um, with a fishing license, you can take one alligator snapping turtle a day and uh, and eat it and consume it on a non-commercial basis. But there are some commercial fishing, poaching operations for alligator snapping turtles. Um, they do routinely get busted. Uh, in fact, we're working right now with Fish and Wildlife and Parks and Wildlife to bring about 30 alligator snapping turtles back to Texas. They're currently being held in uh, Natchitoches, Louisiana, at a U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, fish hatchery. Uh, they were evidence in a poaching ring uh, that happened, was busted back in 2017 by uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife. So uh, we're trying to get them repatriated uh, back to Texas, and uh, so that's kind of a fun partnership that uh, we're working on right now. Well, y'all can't see me, but my mouth kind of fell open when you said that because I, it does not surprise me that locals eat uh, alligator snapping turtles. It doesn't surprise me at all, um, you know, growing up around them and whatnot. But I would have never guessed there was an underground, off-the-menu type, you know, market for these things, and especially not just right here kind of in our area. That's wild to me. Uh, I probably had the same reaction when I first heard it from uh, Paul Crump. Uh, one of our state herpetologists for Texas Parks and Wildlife, uh, when he was telling me about uh, about these turtles over in Louisiana right now, um, but uh, apparently it's more common than we think, and it, wow. it does and can have a, an effect on the turtles, uh, certainly locally. Uh, and, you know, if they totally, if they're really good at what they do, they can deplete a, an entire area, and uh, these turtles. They tend to stay in the water except for when they come out to breed and mate and lay eggs. And uh, so they they don't believe that they move around a whole lot. And so that's one of the reasons we've uh, been partnering with Texas Parks and Wildlife and Fish and Wildlife to start to gather some of this anecdotal data from bycatch and people on trot lines or when people see an alligator snapping turtle uh, up on land, uh, if we can get them to take a picture, so we can verify that it is an alligator snapping turtle and not a common or common snapping turtle, uh, and and get a GPS point or a location for us, if they can send that information to us, uh, we're plugging that into a, a GIS database and we're sharing that information with researchers and U.S. Fish and Wildlife to to try and uh, gather some some more. Uh, knowledge and data on this cryptic species. Yeah, absolutely. Allie, let me ask you, who, who all is working on this project? Obviously, several river authorities, Texas Parks and Wildlife. Who all is involved with this? Yeah, so um, Texas Parks and Wildlife has been 
kind of collecting citizen science data on this for a while. They have an email address on their website where you can send photos or just kind of um, notes to them on where you've seen alligator snapping turtles. Bill was the one that started the awareness campaign with the signs. Um, he got in contact with us and sent us PDFs of what he created and we wanted to get involved as well. So we created our own signs for our river basin. Um, we got in touch with Texas Parks and Wildlife so that we could go ahead and have their logo on our signs because we're sharing data with them. Um, they have field sheets that can, sorry, they have field sheets that they shared with us. So when people send us locations or when they send us GPS points or photos, um, they can send those to wildlife at anra.org and we'll go ahead and put those in the field sheets and then share those with other researchers. Um, Stephen F. Austin State University is also, they're the ones working on that uh, census project, basically. They're looking at historical sites and collecting data, census data, demographic data, to see what exactly the population of alligator snapping turtles is like in Texas now as it was, compared to what it was 20 years ago. So those are just, those are the people that I know that are currently working on yeah, campaigns. Yeah, it sounds like, like it's, a, it's a big project. A lot of people involved in that. That is awesome. I, I want to ask let me, you a little let bit. Let me just yeah, say, go ahead. sorry, the the work that SFA is doing and other researchers as well is is really critical because we I think we all want um, management decisions uh, to be made based on data and science and uh, you know, if a, if a species is in need of protection, it needs to be protected. We want to protect it. Um, but people also need to understand that in the absence of data, U.S. Fish and Wildlife is required by the Endangered Species Act to make the most conservative decision for a species. So if it's a cryptic species that we really don't know anything about, they're going to recommend to have it protected. And th that's not a bad thing for the species, but uh, the best decisions are going to be made based on data and science. And so that's why we're working with these researchers. And Anra's doing a great job of uh, getting the word out and trying to, to collect some data like we are. And, and, and there's some other river authorities doing this as well. So any, any help we can give to researchers, state and federal agencies, uh, that's all good. Well, it, it seems like it's working. Um, I, I can tell you I found out about what was going on through um, a Facebook post from ANRA uh, about you putting the signs out, the first sign going out, and you have 19 more that are, are going to be going out as well. So I'm assuming, and it's always dangerous to assume, <laughs> but I'm assuming that if I go across the Sabine River Authority jurisdiction, if I go down to the ANRA area, I'm going to see these signs in, in different locations. Um, obviously, you said they're a little bit different depending on which river authority, but I'm going to see these signs providing this awareness. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. We're still currently uh, selecting some final locations for some of our signs, and we'll be placing them uh, here over the next couple of months. Uh, so uh, all throughout our river basin, uh, which covers a 17-county area uh, in part or in whole, and uh, so people will be able to start seeing these signs, and hopefully we'll start getting some calls and emails about them. 
Well, Bill, let me ask you, too, a little bit about the alligator snapping turtle when it comes to, like, a lifespan. And I know these are some of the things that y'all are, are studying right now. Um, but about how old can these things live to be if they, they make it through, you know, their, their early life where they can still be eaten by whatever they, you know, can fit them in their mouth um, and then make it past those human threats, too? About how old can these things get and how big can they, they become? So we believe they can live, you know, well past 100 years, uh, probably 150 plus, uh, and then um, they can verifiably be 200 plus pounds. Uh, in fact, when I start, first started uh, talking to the guys around the Sabine River, uh, the, uh, talking to locals, talking to the folks who work with us, who've just been on the river and on these lakes uh, forever. Um, I got quite a few old pictures uh, from maybe 20 years ago. Uh, one of them was a was of a couple different sna alligator snapping turtles that were on a scale, and the scale was pegged out at 200 pounds. So oh, wow. these are these are people that these pictures have been handed down, you know, from generations, and and so we know they're out there. We know they're big, and uh, and apparently that that particular one was on Lake Fork uh, back when it was a, a fairly new reservoir 30 years ago. So uh, they're they're pretty amazing creatures. They're um, you know, people's first reaction is sort of to shrink back from them, but as they learn more, they just, they're really fascinating animals. Well, and, and I think that a lot of the reason that people sometimes shrink back from them, at least I can say from a personal perspective, when I talk to folks around here, you know, one of the things that you always hear is they can take your fingers off that, you know, they don't have your toes in the water too long. They might, you know, get your toes or up to your wrist, that kind of a thing. And you do have to be careful because they do have a lot of strength and they could take off a finger, although I don't think I've met anybody that actually has had a finger or toe, you know, taken off by an alligator snapping turtle. But have you all heard those things too? Uh, yeah, you definitely hear that. Um, I will say just from experience and if you read other people's notes, alligator snapping turtles, they're not an aggressive turtle. They're not even – so if you're going to see them – it's probably going to be during the day. They're not going to be actively hunting during the day. They like to hang out at the bottom of ponds, at the bottom of rivers, and just kind of wait for their dinner or their lunch to swim up to them. Um, you really kind of, you'd, you'd have to catch one to, to, to lose a finger to it. <laughs> so I will say that if, if you see one, if you accidentally catch one, you should definitely be careful when you're releasing it back to wherever you caught it. Because they do, when you see them, they have a huge head. They have really strong jaws. And um, turtles, they don't have teeth or anything. They basically have a big beak. Mm -hmm. um, so you do want to be careful of that. But the odds of you accidentally getting bit by one in the water, that's going to be really, really slim. Very good. I don't have to worry quite that much. It's it's sensational to to hear about it, and I certainly wouldn't stick my finger or any other part of me in in snapping uh, turtle's mouth. But uh, um, I've been grubbing around in the river for quite a few years, and uh, I haven't lost any pieces or parts yet. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, hopefully you'll keep all pieces and parts. That's very <laughs> I sure know. hope so. <laughs> Let me ask you, I want to go ahead and uh, and bring uh, Carla in a little bit too. You know, you, you were talking about working with uh, the habitats and, 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 and making sure that the, the water looks good and that everything is high quality and clean and working with those things. 
when when you are talking about a habitat, I know here in Harrison County, and you'll be familiar with this Bean River Authority with this, we look at paddlefish sometime in, in Caddo Lake to, to gauge the health of the lake. Is, is that something that you do as well? When you look at habitats like these, are you able to, to gauge the health of the area and the water in the area? Um, most definitely. So another threat to the alligator snapping and turtle is, is poor water quality, uh, especially sure. water pollution. That can result um, in the decline of their key prey species. So if you have poor water quality, example, high levels of uh, nutrients coming from agriculture operations or wastewater treatment plants, those can be a bad thing. So they can stimulate um, the growth of algae, which can in turn cause low dissolved oxygen, or DO is what we call it. And um, things like that can cause fish kills. So low DO, it'll, it'll suppress the oxygen levels in the stream and will actually kill the fish. So if, if they don't have anything to eat, um, they're not going to survive very well. Things like uh, bioaccumulation, so that is the accumulation of toxins in an organism's um, tissue. We have some of that here in the basin. So um, example of that would be mercury and dioxin in edible fish tissue. Portions, excuse me, of the Natchez River are um, impaired for that. Things like that. I mean, if you're bioaccumulating in a fish and then your turtle eats it, it'll slowly accumulate in the turtle over time too. So um, water quality is very important in, in all aspects and especially to those key species for the fish, I mean, for the turtle. I think maybe the yeah. bioaccumulation thing is a good point um, to try and tell people to not eat them. <laughs> so, you know, we definitely, in most of the Natchez River Basin, I think Clark can confirm, we have uh, fish consumption advisories for heavy metals, for mercury, for dioxins. Those, as you go up the food chain, they do accumulate. And alligator snapping turtles, you've seen how big they are. They're, they've got to be pretty close to the top of a food chain. They're eating a lot of those little fish that have those heavy metals in them. And so once they accumulate in the turtle, and I mean, if it's a 50-year-old turtle, you got to think that's 50 years of accumulation. Mercury, mercury accumulation. You you don't want to eat that. <laughs> that's not good for you. <laughs> sure, absolutely. 100% understand what you're saying there. What about, and, and you know, some of those things that, that we throw away, um, plastics and then different just trash, household trash that we throw away that ends up in our, our lakes and rivers. I'm sure those are a threat as well and something that you have to contend with when you're working on, uh, you know, the the cleanliness aspect of, of the, the Clean Rivers program. Yeah, those are definitely, I mean, those are definitely not good for our rivers and streams um, for an abundance of reasons, but um, um, they're, they're not going to break down, so they're going to be in there for a long time. We've seen them accumulate on the surface. We've actually seen them like in log jams, like they build up. Um, and so they make like a, a mat over the water. Yeah, they basically can make mats over the water. Um, they're things that you don't you don't want the wildlife eating them. Um, I know not just with turtles and fish, but birds end up eating things that look like food to them. And that's that's not sustainable. <laughs> You've answered the questions that I had today. Is there anything that any of y'all want to add in, in closing? Of course, I have all the information um, about the program. I'm going to provide that um, as well. But is there anything else that you want to add, um, either about the, the program y'all are doing, the awareness program, or the alligator snapping turtle itself? I was going to say, I actually um, have one more thing I wanted to say about alligator snapping turtles. I know we talked about um, their natural predators, which is mostly going to be when they're young, and we talked about their lifespan, which can be, you know, in the wild, 
not quite as long, you know, 20, 40 years in captivity, over 100. Um, but they're a really long-lived species, and so when they are over-harvested, one of the issues is that they don't actually reproduce until they're 10, 11, 12 years old. So if we're pulling all the adults from a population out of an area, and then the juveniles that are there are still vulnerable prey, we are definitely decreasing the population um, just because it takes them so long to reproduce. And yeah, so you probably make it to adulthood compared to how many hatch. So that was my, um, just what I wanted to add to what Bill had said about their lifespan. <laughs> um, this is Kimberly. So one of the great things about this awareness campaign is that it gets a conversation started uh, about education and conservation efforts. Um, the alligator snacking turtle, it's elusive, it's mysterious, it's reminds people of a dinosaur. So it's something that intrigues people. It's something that people can relate to in a way because, you know, who doesn't like a good mystery or a challenge to go out and try to find one of these things uh, and then learn a little bit more about them. And we hope that a, a campaign such as this could lead to other educational avenues um, just to help keep people um, good stewards of our environment to learn to respect um, animals and their habitats and appreciate and respect um, the need to have quality water and the importance of that. We're doing some other things to help with this. We are starting some uh, stream cleanup events. We're working with some Keep Texas Beautiful affiliates such as Angelina Beautiful Clean so that we can do these stream cleanups and we can educate people about the importance of water quality and how it affects um, the habitats of animals, such as the alligator snapping turtle. Uh, I wanted to just add a little side note about, um, so if, if anybody has, you know, any questions about any water quality or anything that Anna is doing in the basin, we have a portion on our website that they can go visit at um, anna.org. Well, I'd just like to encourage um, all, all of your listeners to, you know, take ownership and, um, uh, take stewardship of our natural resources uh, seriously. Certainly the Sabine River Authority does. And if anyone uh, has questions or concerns about what they're seeing when they're out on our streams and rivers, uh, give us a call. Uh, we are happy to uh, uh, you know, inform, educate, and, and certainly respond if there's any problems. We have a, a very uh, important economic resource here in East Texas, the East Texas oil field. And of course, with that can come some environmental issues. But we also believe that there's a balance between nature and man, and that if we work together, um, we can find that balance. And so um, we are certainly not against. I drive a vehicle, and I enjoy doing that. And so, you know, we're not against uh, industry or municipalities. We just want to encourage uh, good behavior and responsibility. And uh, by protecting our water resources, we're, we're really making, uh, making a path for future generations to not just enjoy those resources, but to live healthy lives and, uh, and go forward. So. Every piece works 
in tandem, especially as we see ecotourism and, and people wanting to get out and, and do more and, and be outside more. So I hope that while we don't have another hour or so today, that if there's something that comes up in the future, y'all might let me call you again and visit with. Yeah, absolutely. And then just one final thing, you know, with COVID-19, that's created a lot of challenges and it's canceled so many things for people. But one thing that hasn't been canceled is going outdoors. And so that's another part of this campaign is that we're really encouraging people to get outdoors and to explore and to learn. Yeah, I think that might be one of the silver linings. You have to look for a silver lining in everything, and I think that is one of the, the silver linings is that we're seeing so much more interest in, in outdoors. I know that uh, our Texas state parks have been, you know, they're, of course, a, a little bit less capacity, but they're booked all the time, and so that's, that's good to see is that people are wanting to get out, out more, and I think that's the silver lining. Absolutely. Well, we very much appreciate uh, your time and your interest in our alligator sapping turtle campaign uh, with uh, Angeline Natchez River Authority and our neighbors to the east, the Savine River Authority. I'm Ashley Dansby. Thanks for joining me today on Texas Wild Podcast. Thanks to all of my guests for being here today as well. Hope you enjoyed the show. I tell you what, I know I'm going to screw this up over the next few weeks, but we will get better at it as time goes on. And uh, stay with us here on Texas Wild Podcast.